Hey everybody, welcome to the Muckrake Podcast, the Weekender Edition. Uh, thanks to everybody supporting the show. It is, uh, it's fall outside. And I know it's not in California, but there's, there's a crisp in the air, Nick. I miss that. <laughs> I, I truly do. You know, it's funny because it reminds me of, um, there's a shot in, uh, you ever see the movie, um, the Coen Brothers, uh, the, 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 about folk music, uh, Lewin Davis, Inside Lewin Davis? Sure. Uh, there's a shot of him walking across like an empty parking lot and he pulls his collar up and uh. it's just like, it captures exactly that, 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 that temperature. Nick, I, I, I saw that the forecast was going to be under 80 degrees today, and I, I reached for my flannel. I reached for my boots. It wasn't, it wasn't cool enough to get the warm socks out, but it was wonderful. And, and with the news of, of the autumnal approach, uh, we, we heard today, and we're gonna, th- this just broke right before Nick and I started recording, um, that the January 6th commission has sent out subpoenas to Mark Meadows, uh, Trump's former chief of staff, Dan Scavino Jr., who, by the way, is just a prince of a nice guy, uh, the former deputy chief of staff, Cash Patel, the Pentagon chief of staff, and uh, my friend and yours, Steve Bannon. Uh, so we're going to cover this more next week. We're going to get more in depth into exactly what's going on here. Uh, but your, your initial reactions before we, we move on. Next. Just a murderous row of, of competency in the government. And uh, it's going to become a problem because we could tell by how uh, uh, upset the Republicans were about the entire you know, um, exercise that they're doing here. So um, I suspect we're going to see a lot of correspondence between them and between each other and between Trump. Um, and there'll be coordination. I, I, I can't I can't imagine that there will not be some amount of coordination between what they were doing, what they intended to do. And by the way, how is your six point, um, you know, uh, uh, plan of attack for uh, for the podcast going so far? Is it is it working for you? Did you, did you lay that out? How to take yeah, over we'll, the podcast we'll talk from me? About that on Tuesday. I love, by the way, that in the past couple of days, that it's just been like a total rollout, one hit after another. That there was an attempted coup in this country. <laughs> just well, amazing. He, by the way, here's the political calculus. It's a problem: is that if they release all this stuff too early, then we're going to yep. forget about it before the midterms. They have to stretch it out a little bit here. See, I th- this is something uh, we'll get into next week. Um, I still remain cautious in getting my hopes up about this thing. I, I, I will say that the January 6th commission so far has done a pretty good job in sort of painting the portrait of what happened, uh, pulling on the on, on the empathy. Uh, and and uh, in this case, I'm sorry, but this is a really good start in terms of reaching out to these people and trying to get them on the record and trying to get their materials. But I also, you know, I watched the Trump presidency. I, I would not be shocked if any of these four assholes just don't turn anything in and they right. just don't comply. I, I would not be shocked at this point. Well, but there's also the notion that the Department of Justice or the White House can order these, you know, the records that have been preserved or supposed to be preserved released to them. So, so there is that. Uh, and, and so it's possible that these things will be released. But you're right. They could easily ignore subpoenas because, hey, everyone can ignore them now based on the precedent we saw during the Trump administration, which is, by the way, just awful. Just disgusting. And, you know, this is something we've talked about a lot, which is when you start violating norms and rules, 
you suddenly realize those norms and rules don't have any power unless people are willing to enforce them. And in this case, I, I, I would love to think that there would be some sort of a hand by the federal government or, or a Congress that would go after them. Uh, in, in similar news, the main topic of conversation today, um, you know, I was kind of hoping that in the wake of watching, you know, a bunch of Border Patrol agents getting on their horses and whipping people and treating them like cattle uh, with, in terms of Haitian refugees. I was kind of hoping that there would be an actual response from the Biden administration. And, uh, you know, I was not disappointed, Nick. Uh, they have announced today that they're they're not going to be allowed to use horses anymore. So they'll just have to patrol on foot as they're horse whipping refugees. So, you know, I, I I'm, I'm sorry for being so cautiously optimistic. Well, well yeah. I mean, listen, uh, it was something out of uh, the original Planet of the Apes movie. Really, it's what oh, I would have looked like. And, um, you know, Jen Psaki did, you know, acknowledge she, she said it was not acceptable that what the images were. And thank God there were images because this is what changes policy when, you know, we've seen this for decades and decades now that we can get a glimpse of what really is happening here. Um, it's a huge this is a bigger story, right? This opens up into a whole lot of other things that I think people may not be paying attention to as much that I think we should discuss, because I don't know if you know this, but Haiti is not like connected to Mexico. So you have to imagine how harrowing, first of all, it's a harrowing experience to get from anywhere like in South America all the way across up through Mexico to the border and, and try and claim asylum. But if you're going to do this from Haiti, you're nope. talking about a whole other order of a magnitude of difficulty to get there and make this happen. And we need to understand why that is. And why they'd be willing to risk so much. Even I, You can argue even more than people that have to just stay in landlocked uh, countries to get to, across the border. Well, and of course, they made that track because the Democratic Party wants to use them for their votes and taking over the country and replacing the white race, which don't worry, everyone. Uh, we'll be getting into that very, very shortly. This uh, bullshit white replacement conspiracy theory that has uh, it's not even on the fringes anymore. It's completely infected the body politic of the Republican Party, which. Shocker. We kind of told everyone that was coming. But we'll get that that in a second. I want to go ahead and clear up the Haitian thing. Um, Haiti has been abused from the very beginning. Uh, th this was a situation, for those who don't know the history of Haiti, um, Haiti was founded as a, uh, a revolutionary society in which slaves rose up against their slave masters, who at the time uh, were French. This was during the French Revolution. They rose up in a pretty incredible revolution, and they, they, fought, they fought France. They fought American forces. They fought British forces. They they fought Spanish forces. I mean, they took on Napoleon's armies and they won. And they founded uh, the first independent black uh, uh, country in, in North America. And as they did, all of the major powers took a shit on them and completely took over uh, with debt, which, by the way, they made them pay for themselves. They had to uh, give restitution to France in order to buy their freedom. And, and if that doesn't make you feel sick, I don't know what to tell you. But then who took advantage of them? The French, the British, and America. And so now we look at this country and everyone's like, how did this country get so broke? How did everything fall apart? Why are they coming to our border? Why are they trying to come to America? Oh my God, they're just trying to get new things. And meanwhile, what we've missed is exactly what you just pointed out, Nick, which is 
a completely terrible human tragedy that is taking place. And what does America do in this situation? We greet them at shore's edge with bullwhips. I mean, it, it really is one of the most disgusting things that people have been able to see in a very long time. Well, and you can't help but even just the optics of this where, I mean, listen, I'm sure they use horses on people who are from Central America and South America and from Mexico. I, I mean, I imagine they do. We, I, For whatever reason, we have never really seen it like that. So to have black people show up at the border and then here come the horses, which is very much right out of the slavery and the, uh, the pre-Civil War era, well, um, it can't be ignored. Well, and by the way, like this is a terrible thing, but Haiti Haiti plays a a really important role in civil war uh, context. The South was absolutely terrified by the Haitian revolution. Uh, They called it the horrors of Santo Domingo. Like they believe that because they overthrew their, their slavers, that it was going to inspire slaves in the South. They also believe that there was like a revolutionary element that would find its way to American shores. By the way, if you can't see the metaphor in that, I don't know what to tell you about this entire thing. This actually, weirdly enough, is history rhyming is what it is. It, it is, again, white supremacists who are terrified of a revolutionary element in the, in, in the form of people of color coming to the shore. And you're exactly right. This is like something out of uh, Antebellum South. Yeah. It's, it's, it is um, shocking. Uh, I, I would say surprising, but nothing that these people are capable of doing at this point is surprising. And, and there's, there's more to the story as well. Like the, the, what's the, the, the situation on the ground in Haiti is obviously uh, a problem because they had a huge earthquake there that's destroyed a lot of the infrastructure. So that's a humanitarian crisis that no one. Well, their president was assassinated, and by the way, like Americans played a role in that shit as well because, of course, they did. Well, yes, but here's the thing: the the, the president that was assassinated isn't necessarily a sympathetic character no. in all of this. That's that's what I think has kind of gotten buried in the lead here. When you look at what the situation was, and I tried to look at this, I'm like, what was so bad with the uh, the political situation in Haiti before that? The guy had basically had dissolved the government. And he yep. was basically becoming an authoritarian. Now, I'm sure the, the Americans were p- part of that. And they're also part of what's going on now, trying to anoint the next guy, uh, which is why it is so unruly. And everyone wants to get the hell out of there. Apparently, Port-au-Prince is like empty. There's the streets aren't, you know, people aren't driving on the streets. And which is crazy because th- that, that's the, the most bustling metropolitan uh, area in that in, around. Nick, isn't it weird that America keeps interfering in the political realities of predominantly people of color countries? Isn't that weird? And then when the people who are disrupted or endangered by the regimes that we empower or the political chaos that we inspire – when they start coming to America for something better or safer, we greet them with bull whips and we throw them in cages and we forcibly sterilize them. It's almost like we cause these problems and then we make the problems worse based on how we react to them. And the, the, the one uniting factor in all of it, you guessed it, white supremacy, racism, pure and utter disgust. It gets worse, though, because there are other Haitians who had already been displaced from Haiti who were living. I I read just a heartbreaking article. I believe it was Colombia where a woman had gotten there and was raising her family and had a job. But she had heard 
through the grapevine that, you know, the U.S. is going to let Haitians in, you know, probably because of, you know, humanitarian effort based on the, on the earthquake and all these different things. So she leaves her what relatively stable life there to go and try and get in there. And guess what happened to her? They deported her back to Haiti, a place she hadn't been living for a long, long time and really had no roots. And like, I guess she had some family there, but it's like they're now they're sending people back in planes, you know, to, to sort of, you know, here's the problem that the Trump, the Biden administration has to deal with. First of all, they have all this shit that Trump had done and they have to try and seem like they're different than that. But they also need to, you know, make it clear. It's like you can't just show up and stream into the borders either. I get that too. Um, it, it's a real problem here. But you certainly can't just like throw people at gunpoint in a plane and dump them dump off them at some other random country where they're, they're not really from. So the the main problem here is it, it's a through line. What Trump did was he exacerbated the situation, particularly Stephen Miller did. Um, you know, we talked about this prior on the show. Stephen Miller created a situation of, of gleeful violence. Mm -hmm. The idea was that if you mistreated uh, refugees, uh, if, if you mistreated them so terribly that word got out that if you tried to get within, get into America, that you would be thrown into a cage, that you and your family would be separated, that these terrible things would happen, uh, it would tell people not to come, which was the, the really repellent thing. But here's the honest to God truth, because we need to be serious about this. American immigration and, and, and uh, all of these refugee situations have been bad for a damn long time. Obama's policy on this wasn't great. Clinton's policy on this wasn't great. The, you know, Bush's, all of them, their policies sucked. And the reason is because America has an issue. And, and, and by the way, like the research I'm doing right now, it's like back in 1924. And even back then, it's like, well, we only need white people coming into this country. We don't need to dilute the blood you know what i'm talking about nick like we we need to make sure that our white stock is like really what's taken care of and i i don't know if that sounds familiar to you about this current moment you know that we need to keep our white race like definitely like strengthened and dominant uh, yeah, i mean are we ready to get to that part because again this is it really is amazing how multifaceted this is and how many different yep. uh areas this touches and all at once it's just like the, the well, fourth rail of uh of all politics it is. And I just want to point out before we start talking about all this, I want to put it in a proper context of something. What we're getting ready to talk about is not just eugenics and white supremacy and, and at its heart, fascism and Nazism. What we're getting ready to talk about, I want people to remember this. Those people are seeking refuge because their government has collapsed and because, you know, uh, they've suffered this earthquake. The people who are coming up from Central American uh, countries are coming because of political instability. I want people to imagine what happens when the climate catastrophe reaches us. If we don't take care of this thing, if we don't tamp down authoritarianism, if we don't take care of the climate catastrophe, everything that Nick and I are getting ready to talk about, it's exacerbated. Mm -hmm. It gets worse if we don't take care of it before then. And, and just what's also interesting is that you'll, you'll find immigrants who have come to this country and settled down and, and you know waited in line and got their visas and then become uh, citizens completely and utterly against people like the Haitians or people coming up from Central and South America uh, to, to plead asylum because they feel like, well, I waited in line. Everyone should have to wait in line. 
Um, you can't really wait in line when you have situations like these people are coming from. I think that's the the, the, the key here. And by the way, the, the, the atrocities they were committing that Stephen Miller had uh, uh, created from the Trump administration really weren't stopping anybody from coming. No. The, no. Really, the only thing that stopped them for a little while was COVID. It was more scary to be here because you might get COVID than it would be where they were. But that's really the only reason. Now, of course, because the argument is going to be, well, Biden comes in. He seems like a much nicer man. He's saying the nice things. Well, they're all going to just come streaming into the border. But you know what? The numbers, even when you look at the numbers and the raw numbers of people are coming in, it's still just a, a dash, a little tiny sliver of a number of people, like compared to everybody in the United States. This is nothing like we're going to be but, overrun by people coming in the country. But Nick, if I watch... But, Nick, if I watch the political shows on Sunday, Chuck Todd tells me that this is a border crisis, that things are out of control. It, I, if you're sitting here trying to tell me that our political media and our political class are building up a controversy in order to seem like that they are not biased and like they're not pushing some sort of like weird white ethno policy, I, I, I might have to walk away, Nick. I, 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 I refuse to believe that. And you've been listening to a free preview of our Patreon-exclusive Weekender show. If you want to get in on all the fun and get that bonus episode every week, not to mention exclusive content, uh, live hangouts, question and answer sessions. We're even going to do some of these live so you can come and watch how the sausage is made. All you have to do is go over to patreon.com slash podcast. On top of that, you get to hang out with the Muckrake community, which are a really good group of people. So you should do that. That is patreon.com slash podcast. We'll see everybody next week. Thank you.